Hello everyone, you're listening to the Venture Poland podcast. My name is Daniel Czachorowski and my goal is to promote Poland as a great partner for any business venture, especially when it comes to technology. In my podcast, I interview Polish entrepreneurs, startups, managers and engineers to share some of their best insights and expertise so we can all learn from them. This episode is very different as we do not focus strictly on Poland, but more on a personality and his drive to help other people. He represents a gigantic British organization, the NHS. I took my chance and invited my friend Bartek Ludwicki, who works at the Oxford Hospital. The quality of this recording is not pristine, but if you want to hear a story about robots or how to manage implementation of a new technology in your business, then you should stay tuned. Experience, comment, share and enjoy. Bartek, it's great to have you here. It's great to speak to you one more time. We obviously know each other and I wanted to invite you as a friend, but I wanted to invite you to the podcast as well um, as a a person who knows something about a very interesting topic. And um, your expertise is obviously uh, very interesting. That's why I thought that uh, we could share it with, uh, with the audience. Um, so yes, please tell us a bit more about what's your job, what do you do on a daily basis. I have already made a short introduction in the in the beginning, but um, yeah, just in in couple of words, tell us what you do. Okay, um, thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor, a pleasure. I always like to help if I can. Um, so I'm working as medicines management technician. Um, that, that's my job role, but I am a pharmacy technician um, who's basically working in a hospital environment. So rather than being working in a, a community pharmacy as a shop, as you can see on a high street, it's actually hospital-based um, work. Um, what I do, um, I do a lot. <laughs> I've, I've done a few different roles and I've worked in different settings. So. Um, probably tell you what I'm doing on a daily basis at the moment. So working as a medicines management technician, as I mentioned before, means I am seeing patients, I am taking their drug histories. So basically, if you get admitted to hospital, the doctors would like to know what medication you take. And you could be very unwell or elderly, and they, they might not be able to find out from you. Um, and this is when we step in and we contact GP surgeries, we contact families, we use electronic records and basically we compile some sort of a report which we can give to the doctors and based on that they can they can prescribe the medication and um, it's, it's just the safest way of doing it. Um, obviously the doctors are busy so they can't do everything and we're there to help. I think this is basic description of, of what we do. Hmm. So it, it is a bit of a detective role I guess. <laughs> it can be. It's sometimes sometimes it's nice and easy. You know, you have a person who will say, "Oh, this is what I take. I brought it with me," which is also very helpful. Um, and if they confirm that, you know, happy days. But sometimes they could be confused. Um, they could have a condition that would um, make it difficult for them, like dementia, or or they could be unconscious even. So obviously, there's no you, you can't really communicate with them, and that's when you have to kind of do your investigation, cool. as you said. 
Um, one of the things I would like to talk about is the focus on technology because the whole purpose of the podcast is actually to promote the uh, technology which is developed in Poland but obviously you live abroad and it is crucial for me and it is crucial for uh, businesses in Poland to understand what are the use cases of technology somewhere else so we can borrow the best experiences we can borrow what's what's been already out there I would like to talk maybe about managing drug inventory. Okay, that's just a job you, you do, but maybe if you would change drugs into something else, do you see any patterns? Do you see any methods that could get borrowed into a different environment? Is it something universal? Can you can you give me some examples of, of use cases maybe? Yes, of course. I mean, everything we do is very computerized and, and very you know modern technology. So even going to the simplest thing, which is dispensing. Uh, well, it's not simple, but this is what you do on a daily basis in any pharmacy. Um, so you produce a label with the directions for the patient how to take a medication. And then in the, in the old days, you would obviously go to a shelf, find the medicine, pick it up, then apply the label, then dispense it. Nowadays, it's different. All you do is you use a computer. So you produce a label, the computer sends a signal to the robot, which picks up the medication for you, reducing the picking error because the robot will always pick up the right stuff. You could be tired, you could have similar things next to each other, there could be a million, million of reasons why you could pick the wrong item. The robot will never pick a wrong item. So that gets delivered to you, and all you do is obviously double-check that this is definitely the right thing, which it would be, and then you dispense it. So so the use of robots, I think, is very helpful. Um, even if you think about how we're dispensing about 40,000 items a week, I believe, which is which is a lot. So if you think about people walking and getting these things from the shelf compared to this being picked up by a robot and delivered to you, it's just incredible. So I think I think that's that that's that's one of the big things. The other thing is everything's computerized now, so we don't use drug charts anymore. The doctors don't prescribe an paper, they prescribe electronically. So even now, if I had an access to the software I said, so I could be at home and I could see a live prescription for a patient who's in a hospital, and I could see, you know, that it, a pharmacist or another doctor who's on call, anyone can access that, you know, prescription and say, okay, we need to give this patient that, and this could be prescribed remotely. Then the nurse holding a laptop, she could actually administer it to a patient and record electronically that this was given. So anything can be checked at any time. So I think technology in, in, in healthcare here is um, is a big part, one of the biggest at the minute. That's quite interesting. So do, do you think uh, use case of um, robots to deliver medications, was that predicted on the number of errors in the past or is it just because it's cool to have a robot <laughs> in hospital? I think I it's know. more about storing the medication. Um, it's actually not that big. If you think about it, it's it's a lot of medicine in a very, very small place, but because the robot is so accurate, it can put it on little shelves and, and basically squeeze in a lot more than, than probably we could going up the ladder, etc. Um, I think safety is a big part of it. It's definitely a big part, but also it reduces the workload. So as I mentioned before, walking backwards and forward just to just to pick items because the robot will do it for you. Obviously, there are still things that you can't store in the robot that, you know, are controlled drugs or, or things that are kept in the fridge. You would still do them, but having robot um, 
you know minimizes the workload so it's it's helping it's helping us as well that's very very interesting i was not aware of this at all um so what else do you do when it comes to drug stock management uh, i'm i'm really curious about the skills uh you have to have and if the skills are um you know transferable to other places other uh, environments I think we use a basic software that's actually keeping an eye um, on, on what the stock is. So obviously we regularly review the levels of different medication that we keep just to make sure we don't run out of it, but also you don't want to keep too much because of the cost, um, because of the expiry dates, etc., etc. So um, it's basically connected to the dispensing software. So if something's dispensed, let's say you dispensed one item 50 times a day and it drops below the minimum level, that will automatically create an order of another 50 or 60, which is then electronically sent to the wholesaler who would then deliver it on the next transport, which is usually, we usually have two transports a day. So, so the medication keep coming, but we make sure that we don't keep too much and we, you know, we have enough for the patients. I guess the big part is how expensive the item is. If it's something that we use very regularly, and it's very cheap, we would probably keep a lot more of it. If it's a very, very expensive drug, then obviously you keep an eye on it and you try to keep enough to keep keep the patient safe, but you obviously not too much. So it's actually quite simple, I think. It's a, it's a simple process. It just has to be reviewed regularly. So if you notice that the usage of a particular drug is going up, obviously you need to adjust the minimum levels and how much you want to order. And I think that's the, that's the way it's done. And it's, it's, it's quite easy. So it is almost fully automated then? It is. Obviously, there's still a human factor. Someone has to keep an eye on things. But once you set up everything correctly and properly, I think it's kind of, yeah, it's just managed on its own. It's actually quite interesting. I didn't, I didn't really think that this is that well automated. I mean, people always complain about how the healthcare system works how bad it is i guess regardless of the country but it seems like the one in uk when it comes to um, managing their stock it is almost it is almost where it should be <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes i yeah it's really impressive yeah it is it is i think i think there's a there's a lot going in the background even for me as a patient i would think okay doctor prescribes me something and pharmacy just gives it to me but it's not it's not as simple. Everything that you know gets prescribed has to be screened by the pharmacist. So obviously you need to check if if you're on any other drugs. You need to make sure that it doesn't interact with any other drugs. Doctors might not be aware of everything. Um, you know they they might not know that you're buying something over the counter. Even vitamins they can make a difference. Even herbal medication they could interact with something prescribed by the doctor. So everything's screened by the pharmacist. Then it gets dispensed in a dispensary. Then it gets final checked by another person just to make sure that it's definitely correct and then it's released to you. So the process can sometimes take a little bit and patients kind of think, oh, you know, I should have this quickly because it's just one thing and why am I waiting for it half an hour? <laughs> but it's just the way it is. <laughs> so if the whole thing is very well automated or almost fully automated, what's the way people interact with each other? What's the team like? who are you dealing with on daily basis and you know what are their roles and what do you need to do together to actually make things happen um so when i'm based on the work as a technician i'm, I'm normally with a pharmacist so i would kind of 
get all the information, put it all together, give it to the pharmacist, and the pharmacist is doing more clinical screen. We call it clinical screen. So obviously they check if whatever patient's taking at home and whatever's been prescribed now is all appropriate. You know, there's no interactions. It's safe for the patient to take. But working on a ward, you work as a bigger team because um, obviously the nursing staff, nursing assistants, doctors, um, ward clerks, there's physiotherapists, dietitians. It's one big team. Um, and if you work on the same ward every day, you kind of get to know people and you help each other, you support one another, and it, it makes your life, you know, easy. So I think having the skill to, you know, get on with people is crucial. Um, if you can, you know, good relation with the whole team, it makes your life a lot easier and everyone's life a lot easier, I think. So if you would name them, what are the two or three most important skills to work in such fast-paced environment where decisions are crucial? Sometimes the decisions can be made by a machine, but still, you know, we are all people and as you just said, uh, the decisions sometimes have to be made by, by people as well. What are the skills? I think the most important is prioritization. So if you if you don't have time to do everything, which is normally the case, you go and you see the patients who need to be seen first. So it's very important that you you need to be you need to have the experience to decide, okay, I have three new patients, who are they? What medication do they take? And then maybe finding out, okay, this patient by looking at the medication you'll say, Okay, they are diabetic and um I wonder if they had the insulin today. If they brought it with them, I should see them first. Um, so I guess prioritizing your work is very important. I think having the sense of urgency as well. So knowing when to speed up. Obviously, you can't be running around like a headless chicken all day long. But there are times that you have to, and sometimes you just have to, you know, put in the third gear and just just get on with it. Um, it can be really busy. It's a busy environment. There's a lot a lot happening. Um, the dispensary, even dispensary can be really busy. You come down to help and you have about 30 people trying to, you know, cope with the workload, which can be huge. So that, that comes, you know, that's where you have the third skill, which is teamwork. Um, on the wards, you work with the nursing staff, doctors, um, and everyone else. And if you're in dispensary, you work with your colleagues, pharmacists. So you're trying to get the work done and help each other. So I think, yeah, I think these three would be probably the most important. So prioritizing, um, having the sense of urgency and, you know, when to, when to go full speed <laughs> and, and, team, and teamwork, I think are the most important. Interesting, interesting. Just one more thing on prioritizing your patients. So is this something you have to do or this process is as well advised by a machine or by any software? Um, it could be me, but very often I come to the ward in the morning and first thing I walk in, I'll see a doctor who will say, can you go and see a patient in bed four? Because we need to find out as soon as possible what, what medication they're on. And, okay, fine. So that's the thing. first thing you're going to do. Sometimes you see a pharmacist and say, oh, we got two patients, we need to, you know, we need to have their drug histories as soon as possible. I'm doing this one, can you do the other one? Or it could be yourself. So you, you come in and then you kind of decide. We get a list of orders as well. So if you look through the orders and you see what kind of medications ordered for patients and if you see insulin or if you see any anti-epileptic drugs or anything that, you know, the dose is very, very important and it's crucial that they have the medication on time, 
you'll be like, yeah, this is the patient I need to see first, and and then you go and do it. So, so so obviously you need to have the knowledge and and a bit of experience to to do it. But yeah, on other occasions you will be you will very often be told by other members of the team to to go and see a particular patient. But it's but it's never been done using any uh, advisory software or um, you know computer programs or anything. It is actually because nursing staff they order medication electronically as well. So even if you know at four o'clock in the morning they order something, we come in when we start our shift, we print the list of orders. By looking at that, we can tell what kind of um, patients we're dealing with, what conditions they might have. So there is a, an element of software, but I think maybe in this particular one, it's mainly mainly um, people see, we deal with. This comes down to risk management, I guess, and it seems like when it comes to commercial projects, no one wants to talk about risk management because it's boring. But for you guys, I think it's like super crucial and it's super important. So yep. uh, can you just um, tell us how to do risk management properly? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, we use electronic prescribing and medicines administration where I'm working at the moment which is very helpful, very very useful, but as you were talking about risk, it cannot be used in every environment. So if you're talking about emergency department or if you're talking about um, intensive therapy unit, sometimes they, well sometimes, very often they have patients that might need a drug now, which is now and it's now, and there you can't really take time to log into the computer, find a computer, log in, prescribe it and get the nurse to give it. These are these are the places where things are still done on the paper because it's quicker. This is the risk management. They know that they can't be accessing electronic notes because again, they might they might not work. They might be accessed by somebody else. They might not have them available. Paper is there, and that's what they use. I don't have any particular examples, but these are the departments that that can't really use technology in that sense. All others they have contingency plans, so every ward will have paper drug charts. If the software is down, they can pick it up and use it. Um, every ward has some sort of paper notes, so even if even if they don't have access to everything, if something goes wrong, they will be able to check what you know who the patient is and what's happening with the patient. There's a there's a lot of work around the the technology, which is which is you know great and but. I don't think you can rely on it in this environment 100% because if it fails, you always need a plan, plan B. Mm, exactly. I think that's a great summary for this because from the technology company perspective, you just focus on one thing and uh, sometimes there is no plan B and businesses, yeah. the crucial thing they need to do is to earn money, let's say, and it's it's a bit it's a bit strange, you know, when you compare uh, money yeah. to people's lives, let's say, in a hospital environment, but to have a plan B, I guess, that's uh, that's always good. We had in the pharmacy, we had times when the robot would fail and you would have to actually walk and get things manually. So I think this is the moment when people complain about this or that, but when they actually have to go and do the work themselves, that's when people really appreciate the technology we have. You briefly mentioned just a moment ago about the fact that some of the orders or maybe all of the orders when the stock goes below certain levels the the system would get it reordered again um 
is there any interaction with the suppliers? Uh, who manages it and how do you deal with your suppliers? Um, yeah, I think we have maybe two or three different supplies. If we can't uh, get something, we could obviously look for it and maybe go somewhere else. But I think a main or two suppliers, we're in contact with them all the time. Um, because although you have the, all the technology, sometimes it will order something and it will say, oh, this is out of stock. But, okay, it's out of stock, but we need to know why, for how long, and, you know, when, when is it going to be available and what to do. So this is the time when you actually have to pick up the phone and phone them and, and actually speak to someone. So it's, it's, it's great, but everything's in stock, everything, the suppliers has everything we need, but if they don't, we, we still have to interact with them, um, you know, email, telephone. So we are in touch. We've mentioned a couple of times usage of technology in your hospital, but in general, NHS as an organization, how do you think they cope with new technology? How often do they introduce anything new and how well is being uh, managed or maybe implemented? Um, I think they do it quite well. Uh, we, we use different software for dispensing, different software for electronic notes, different software for blood results, and these obviously have to be updated regularly. So I think this, this is usually communicated very well to staff, so we know well in advance that something will be happening, we know when it will be happening and how long it's going to take. Um, if the change is big, if the processes change, um, they do have IT trainers on site who would organize sessions with their departments and, and, and obviously tell us what's happening and teach us how to use the new program. Um, we, when we were switching from paper to electronic prescribing, that was a big thing. That was done in steps, so they wouldn't go and, okay, from tomorrow the whole hospital is going electronic. They would do one or two wards at a time, or one or two departments at a time, and slowly everyone would, you know, switch. But as I said, it was done gradually, so it wasn't done all in one go, but, you know, once you get going, you'll see, okay, maybe we should improve this or that, and you improve it, and then you implement it in, you know, another one or two words with the improvements, and I think by the time you, you switch completely, you normally come through all the common issues. Okay, that's very interesting. So, it was done in stages, and uh, you're saying that between each stage there was a feedback session, and then something got improved maybe, and then with the next stage it was already fixed, if it was a bug or some kind of feature request maybe? Uh, yes, there were regular sessions. Um, we, we, we could you know, tell our views of the new software. We had plenty of support from the IT department or people responsible for the, for the software, and we, we would give them regular feedback. Um, we would get regular training. So, as I said, it was the implementation was a long process. You could probably done it quicker, but I think because because of the environment, because of the hospital, they've done it slowly to make it as safe as possible for the patients. Well, I guess that's, that's uh, good because obviously there is some risk involved in changing the habits and uh, there is some uh, significant risk uh, when it comes to people's lives, I guess. You know, it's not an organization where you can uh, afford mistakes. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so what was the most recent example of 
implementing of new technology did you say uh, moving from paper to to electronic prescribing or was there something else no i think this was the biggest one um we've obviously we had you know updated software for this and that uh but this is software we've been using for a while now um electronic prescribing was the big move um i know all hospitals in uk are moving towards it not everyone has switched yet uh but i think the goal is that you know, at some point, everything, everyone's going to be using it. Um, it saves time, it saves paper, it saves, uh, you know, everyone has access to it. So you don't you don't have access to a paper structure if you're at home, um, unless someone takes pictures of it or photocopies it. And then again, it's not, it's not a legal document, so you can't really do a lot with it. With electronic prescribing, you can, you can prescribe remotely from, from anywhere. Um, and you can you can access patients, you know, record, see what's going on. So let's say if you're a pharmacist working on call at home and you get a telephone call saying, oh, we need to give this to a patient as soon as possible, and before you supply it, the pharmacist can actually go into the drug chart, check what medication patient's on, if it's safe to give this particular drug, then remotely can connect to the robot in the pharmacy stores and supply the medication to us. You know, the robot's going to send it to a place which can be accessed by doctors, and they pick it up, all the nurses, and they pick it up from there. So it allows you to do things remotely, and it's great. <laughs> I think it's. I think this is definitely the biggest thing, technology-wise, that happened, you know, where I've worked. It's very interesting, because when you really think about this, it seems like um, we're, we're not far off to be able to just walk into a local shop like Coop or somewhere else where there's going to be a robot which based on what happens in the background between all the specialists he will just give away drugs which are needed now if someone requires them. Yeah, I think there are busy even community pharmacists. I haven't personally heard about any of them having robots yet. But I think the ones who, you know, spends a lot of medication would definitely consider it because it makes, yeah, it makes the process a lot quicker and safer. I'm just thinking, you know, from from a futurist point of view, it, it looks like we will have vending machines with drugs, but they will get all the information from the from the specialists and you will just get what you need without, you know, meeting <laughs> Yeah, I guess that is possible as long as it's, you know, somehow controlled and safe why not could be the future maybe let's let's go back to you and your role i always like to learn from other people and i always like to listen what they have to say it's it's interesting because sometimes you get a simple sentence which will change your perspective dramatically in context of your work in context of risky environment or you know very difficult environment what did you learn recently and what could you share with us so you know so we can all uh, learn from you okay so um what what i've personally learned the most was recently was about I've, I've changed my work environment for for about a year so basically i was working in a general hospital for for about 6 or 7 years and i decided to try something yeah, something something different so for a year i have worked in a mental health hospital which was completely different, and and although it was still doing the same role, so I still worked as a medicines management technician, I was still visiting the ward, seeing patients, 
in mental health, everything is completely different from medication to to the way to to the processes you use every day. Um, it 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 was just really mind blowing to me. Um, I spent a year doing it, and it's been a great experience because it was it it was something completely different. It was same job, but in a different environment, and it made it completely different. <laughs> I I really really enjoyed it and loved it. So I would say um, I think if I ever feel I would like to you know learn and do something new, even within my job, even within my role, I guess I could go maybe now work in a pharmacy manufacturing unit where the chemotherapy has been um, prepared for the patient or maybe I could take on another speciality role um, but I think it's really really good to go to go and work in different environments doing similar role in different environments um, it just opens up everything I'm, I'm, I'm back in the general hospital now and what I've learned in the last year I'm applying from day one so in, in the old days, mental health for me, I, I didn't really know a lot about it. And now I know how big the problem is and how many people suffer from mental health illness. So I think it was eye-opener. <laughs> I see. So how do you manage to actually implement anything from that experience into your current role if quite a lot of your um, tasks are put into boxes are put into processes. Is it, is it actually possible? I'm thinking from perspective of, you know, uh, team building, personal development, uh, better time management, whatever. If, if there are processes in place, is there any, any space to, to improve them? Is there any space to, to do something better, quicker uh, as a human? Yes, definitely. I think, I think the problem processes are really good because um, they, they kind of give you a baseline of how things should be done. So if you if you come to a new place and you don't know how things are done there, um, you use their processes. So we use SOPs, which is a standard operating procedure. So before you take any task, you should read about it and read how to do it. I think then, as long as you stick between, I would say, the lines, so you do you do what you should do. Um, if you, you you can you you can improve things yourself. So stay within the process, and then maybe speak to your line manager and say, um, you know, this is this is what I did, and it saved time or it saved money or or whatever. It's it it, it actually improved. It improved the thing I'm doing. Um, then I think I guess that that should be reviewed and maybe and maybe implemented to the SOP. But there's also the fact that how you're going to speak to the patient, every patient is completely different. So you might have to adapt. You will be talking in a different way to, um, you know, a 75-year-old lady and different to, to, to a child and in a different way to someone who's drunk and aggressive. So obviously the processes are in place, but also you kind of need to need to adjust and you need to you need to use your experience and um, and your personal skills to actually follow them. So you can't really strictly if the processes go introduce yourself and ask this and that question. Oh, I have a good example here, and it's actually technology related. So we can access patient summary care records. Summary care record is a record created by the GP surgery, which contains a list of the regular medication 
all the medication patient had in the you know last three months like antibiotics etc now technically we can't access this without patients consent well we can't access it without patient consent full stop but my opinion is if you go and ask for a consent if you go if I would go to you I would say are you happy for me to access your GP records or some of records because I need to not have this information and you would probably say yes or no but if I go and speak to a to, to an elderly patient, I'll probably go. I wouldn't use words like summary care records, which are maybe scary. Um, I'll probably say, "Is it okay if I print a list of your medicines so we can go through it, you know, and have a look if it's all correct and this is how you take your medicines?" So there are processes, but I think you still have to adapt to a, to the situation. So it's probably more related to, as you just said, interacting with with other humans so the process is there but because your work is very human oriented then the results even though they're controlled by a process the results are fully on you fully on on the person who's dealing with the patient yeah i worked in manufacturing before and i did follow a strict procedure and that's that's simple if something has to be you know, no more than five centimeters. It can't be no. It can't be more than five centimeters. And you know, full stop. There's no interpretation <laughs> um, in healthcare. I think because of the nature of it, I think it's all slightly different. Okay, I've run out of questions. It's been great talking to you, Partek. It's been great having you in the podcast. I hope that I will be able to find other people who are like-minded and uh, who would like to share their experience with with us. I'm just thinking, uh, what would be the best summary for for our discussion? How we could all benefit from learning from a big organization like NHS? What would be the top one thing that maybe a small organization should do? Uh, something that would be easily transferable. Uh, something that we can we can just use it to you know make things better. Um, I think use the technology. Definitely, um, it helps. It speeds up processes, regardless if you, you know, if it's a small, large business. Um, maybe, maybe it's a question of affordability. Big organization like NHS, they will invest the money, and they know it's for the for the safety and and best of patient. So I think it's do it, but have a contingency plan, and always think about what to do if the technology fails, because in my environment is crucial. You know, you have to help the patient. If the technology is there or it isn't, you need a plan B. Right, brilliant. Thank you, Bartek, and let's keep in touch. And that's it, I guess. Thank you for having me. Even though that this interview was a bit different and the experience we have learned from was coming from a different country, from a big organization like NHS. I still think it's a very valuable knowledge, especially in the context of sharing this knowledge. I really hope that you have enjoyed the interview with Bartek and it would really mean a lot to us if you could comment or share it with your friends. I hope to bring you more guests in the future. Stay tuned and till next time. Thank you.